We have completed our studies in First Peter and Second Peter and going to begin a new series today of stories from the Old Testament. There are some wonderful, wonderful stories with which you are familiar in the Old Testament. And next week we will look at the first marriage, the week after that, original sin, and uh, then Noah and the ark. And I'm sure that we'll come to David and Goliath and Gideon and some of those stories as well. We'll just see how the Lord leads. But today we are going to begin this series by looking at creation. Now, Karen Hall sent me an email uh, about a Christian elementary school, and they were asked, uh, students were asked to write a paper on the Bible. And one little boy wrote on creation. He wrote, in the beginning, which occurred near the start, there was nothing but God, darkness, and some gas. The Bible says, the Lord thy God is one, but I think he must be a lot older than that. Anyway, God said, give me a light, and someone did. Then God made the world. He split the Adam and made Eve. (laughs) Adam and Eve were naked, but they weren't embarrassed because mirrors hadn't been invented yet. (laughs) Well, maybe we need to look at the book of Genesis as the Lord tells the story about creation. Genesis portrays events factually, but it is not a book of science. It is an accurate account of history as it pertains to God, but it is not a book of history. It has genealogical records, but it is not a genealogy. The book of Genesis is a story of creation, man's fall, and God's plan for man's redemption. Now, there are numerous interpretations of creation. I'm sure that you have heard many of them. One is the gap theory. And in this understanding of the story of creation, there is a gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. In Genesis 1-1, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And then in Genesis 1-2, it says, and the earth was void and without form. So it is believed by these that when God created the earth, it was one thing, but it became void and without form. Therefore, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there could be millions or billions of years. That is one theory or interpretation of creation. There are some who believe that God created the heavens and the earth in a six-day, 24-hour period. And uh, the word, the Hebrew word for day is yom. And it can have different meanings. In fact, it does have different meanings. One of those meanings is an indefinite period of time. So there are some who believe that this world was created in six-day, 24-hour periods. And then another is uh, theistic evolution. Theistic evolution says that God created this world... Then he withdrew from it, and the world evolved. So God created matter, he withdrew from it, and then the world evolved. Then there is the theory of evolution, which probably is the most accepted theory in our society. 
It is a theory that through random mutations, gas forming planets and water with organic matter, and single-cell beings, and that evolved into man. It evolved as to where we are today. So let's look at the Bible. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. There in verse number one, it says, in the beginning. What a simple introduction to a complex creation. In the beginning, God created. So right off, we are introduced to the Creator. And the Bible says that God created. The word for God that is used there is Elohim, which speaks of His power. That He is a powerful God. That He is pre-existent. He is eternal. God was not created on the day of creation. He has always existed. I don't know about you, but I remember as a boy, I would go to bed oftentimes at night and lie there thinking, what was before God? Have you ever done that? What was before God? And I simply could not get hold of the idea that God is eternal. What was before God? Well, that's sort of like asking what was before one. What was before A? God is eternal. He has always existed. And the Bible says in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God, first of all, is pre-existent. He is eternal. He has always existed. There has never been a time when God did not exist. And this eternal, powerful God, the Bible says, created this world, and he created it out of nothing. In fact, the word create literally means out of nothing. God created this world out of nothing. You might have heard the story about some scientists who got together, and they were discussing how much progress they had made, how much they knew, how they could clone people and do all those things. And so they decided in their meeting that uh, man no longer needed God. We are able to function just fine without God. We don't need God. And so some of the scientists, as they talked about it, decided that one of them should go and tell God that we didn't need him anymore. So one was selected, and he went to God and said, God, you know, we appreciate all that you have done, but really we don't need you anymore. We can do miraculous things through science. We can clone people and so forth. And so we really don't need you anymore. And God said, well, okay. He said, how about if we have, how about if we have a man-making contest? And the scientist says, that would be fine, because we can do all of this. There's no problem. And the Lord said, well, you go first. And the scientist reached down and took up some dirt. God said, ah, 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 wait just a minute. He said, what's the matter? He said, that's my dirt. It's your own. <laughs> the Bible says that God created this world and he created it out of nothing. 
There was nothing. As S.M. Lockridge, the, one of my favorite preachers, said, God stepped out on nothing and made something. That's exactly what God did. He created this world out of nothing. Now, because he is the creator, then he is also the owner. The Bible says in Exodus 19:5, all the earth is mine. God is the owner of everything because he created it. Now, sometimes we get to thinking things are ours, do we not? Dr. George Truett, who for many years pastored First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, was preaching a revival in West Texas. And uh, one night he mentioned that in his sermon, that God owned everything, that it, we own nothing. We are simply stewards of that that belongs to God, but that it all belongs to God. Well, there was an old West Texas rancher told Dr. Truett, said, I'd like to take you somewhere tomorrow. And so he said, all right. So he came by the next day, picked him up in his pickup truck took him out in, uh, in his farmland, his ranch, and they're out there, and, and the farmer got out, and he said, uh, Dr. Truitt, as far as you can see to the north, that's mine. As far as you can see to the east, I own that. As far as you can see to the south, it's all mine. And as far as you can see to the west, it's mine. As far as you can see, it's all mine. Dr. Truett said, well, that's fine. He said, but let's, let's gather here in about a hundred years and see who it belongs to. You see, folks, God is the creator. Everything was made by him, and therefore you and I are stewards of that that belongs to him. So as we look at God, as we are introduced to him, he is preexistent, he is eternal, he is powerful. And then we see his plurality in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Matthew Henry said, the Son of God, the eternal word and wisdom of the Father was with him when he made the world. So, first of all, we are introduced to the Creator. God, Elohim, created this world. And then we are introduced to creation. And the first matter was chaos, verse number 2. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving. Now, the first matter was chaos. In other words, the creation did not look like creation today. It did not until the third day. Matthew Henry said the Creator could have made His work perfect at first, But by this gradual first proceeding, he would show what is ordinarily the method of his providence and grace. In other words, in the beginning there was not anything really desirable about creation. The Bible says that in the beginning it was formless and void or confusion and emptiness. Now that's the way it was in the beginning. The first matter was chaos. Did you know there came a time... As a result of man's sin, that the earth was almost reduced to that condition again? In fact, Jeremiah laments about the sin of Judah and the result of it. And in Jeremiah 4.23, he said, I looked on the earth, and behold, it was formless and void. Same words that are used there. So as a result of sin, the earth almost was reduced to what it was at creation. The Bible says that there was no form. The Bible says in the beginning there was no light. Now, God did not create the darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. And the reason we live our lives in darkness is because 
we do not have the light of God who is the light of the world. If you're trying to live your life without God, then you're living in darkness because he is the light. Matthew Henry said, when we consider the earth without form and void, methinks it is like the valley full of dead and dry bones. Can these live? So the first matter, when God created it first, the first matter was formless and void. But then the Bible says that after God created, that he moved upon his creation. Look again at verse number two. The earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So, the first matter was chaos. The first mover was God. The Bible says that he began to move over his creation. Things change here. God begins to move over his creation. It it reminds me of Elijah when he stretched himself upon the child who had died. And as he moved upon the child, as he stretched himself upon the child, life came to the child. And so the Bible says in 1 Kings 17, Then he stretched himself upon the child three times, and called to the Lord and said, O my God, I pray thee, let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. Now, when I think of of God's Spirit moving upon the earth, to picture that for me, I think of Elijah. As Elijah stretched himself upon the child, he moved upon the child, stretched himself upon the child, and as he did, then life came to the child. It also reminds me, or another picture, of an eagle. An eagle who stirs up her nest and hovers over her chicks. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 32:11, Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young. The word hovers that is used there is the exact same word as moving that is used here in Genesis. That the eagle hovers over her young. And God moved upon this world. Now, folks, do you know that's exactly what God does to us in salvation? Now, think about it. The Bible tells us, and we know it to be true, that before God moved upon us, we were spiritually dead. That's what the Bible says. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, it doesn't say that we were feeling badly. It says we were dead. That was our condition. Before the Spirit of God moved upon us, spiritually speaking, we were dead. But then God moved upon us and gave to us spiritual life. And so the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace, You have been saved. See, in a spiritual sense, same thing happened to us. We were chaos. We were formless and void. We were dead. And then the Spirit of God moved upon us and gave us life. And then we became the children of God. Well, what are the consequences? We see that God created this world and that His Spirit moved upon this world. And He created an absolutely incredible world, did He not? I I don't know if it affects you as it does me, but I can't get over the beauty of this world. 
When I walk through our neighborhood and see the trees and see the flowers or I see the streams that run or whatever it happens to be, I absolutely can't. What a beautiful world God has given us. The variety that He has placed in this world. From the flatlands of West Texas to the pines of South Carolina. From the deserts to the teeming seas, uh, the, li- the seas teeming with life. Australia, New Zealand, England. I I don't know how much. I am absolutely astounded by this world that God has created. He has created a beautiful, beautiful world. The variety that he placed in it. He didn't. You know, why did he just make it all alike? Because that's not God. And then even with people, there is a variety. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. And at this time in my life, the past several years, I have learned to appreciate people of of other ethnicities more than I ever have in my life, just being around people. God created a wonderful, beautiful world and the variety that he placed there. And then he created a world of order. This is an orderly world. It has been cold lately, but, you know, we can get through it because we know spring's coming. Well, how do we know spring is coming? Because it always follows the winter. And then after that, you know, we're going to fuss about it gets too hot because summer's coming. How do we know summer's coming? It always does. Then we can make it through that because we know fall is coming and it's going to cool down a little bit, football season, all those kinds of things. Always going to happen because this world is orderly. When God created this world, he made it beautiful with all the variety And he made it orderly. In the beginning, God created. Well, the explanation of creation. And there are two primary choices available to us to explain creation. One certainly is evolution. And there are many who explain this world through evolution that it simply evolved. You you might have seen the cartoon of the gorilla that was in his cage and he was holding Darwin's order of origin of species in one hand and the Bible in the other. And he's sort of shaking his head saying, I don't know if I'm my brother's keeper or my keeper's brother. (laughs) There are many proponents of evolution. I know that. I know that it is generally taught in the schools. I know that it's generally accepted. There there are many people who, who, who believe in evolution. Time magazine wrote, Darwinism remains one of the most successful scientific theories ever promulgated. Bob Russell wrote, evolution has been repeated so often that to challenge it is the equivalent to believing in a flat earth or a moon made of cheese. So we understand that there are proponents to the idea or the theory of evolution, but it also has some problems. William Provine of Cornell University, a prominent evolutionist, said if Darwinism is true, then there are five inescapable conclusions. Now, I want you to listen to these. If Darwinism is true, then there are five inescapable conclusions. Because you see in our nation that has embraced Darwinism, evolution, you see these inescapable conclusions being acted out. He said, first of all, there's no evidence for God. Well, that's... Atheism is growing today. People are writing books about atheism, that there is no God. There's no evidence there is no God. There's no life after death. And there are people, a growing number of people today, who believe that whenever you die, you're just like an animal or something. It's all over. That you're finished. There's no absolute foundation for right and wrong. 
And so right and wrong has become subjective today. Linda and I were talking last night about a situation in which, uh, you know, you say that something is wrong. Well, what is it? What is it based on? Well, you know, it might be wrong for for you, but it's not necessarily wrong for me. It used to be that truth was objective, but today it is subjective. In other words, I decide what is true. I decide for myself. But he says that that is the result of embracing evolution. And, of course, he's a proponent. There's no ultimate meaning for life. Folks, that's the reason we are so frustrated today. Because we don't see, we, we, we have no sense of purpose in our life. Without Christ, we have no sense of purpose. I am the result of an accident. I'm, I'm not, you know, I came from nowhere. I'm going nowhere. I'm doing nothing. I have no purpose in life. But that, that is, if you just evolve from the green slime and here you are, then there's no sense of purpose or direction in your life. People don't really have free will. So there are some problems. Darwin said, Darwin said, to suppose that the eye could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. Lee Strobel wrote a book, and he points out some of the problems with uh, evolution. He says, first of all, cosmology, which is the study of the universe. And, and, and here, for centuries, scientists believed that this world had always existed. It's always existed. Well, virtually there are no scientists today who believe that. They believe that, that, that there was a, a point in time when there was a big explosion, and out of that explosion then this world came into being. The Big Bang Theory. Well, of course, now that opens up an argument for a creator. Because if something exists, there has to be a cause. I mean, this building exists, so there has to be a cause. Your watch exists, so there has to be a cause. So the universe exists, there must be a cause and that causes God. This world exists because God created. And then there's cosmology, then there's physics. Dr. Vera Kistakowski, professor emeritus of physics at MIT, said, The exquisite order displayed by our scientific understanding of the physical world calls for the divine. There's biochemistry. Charles Darwin said, If it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed which could not have possibly been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. Biochemist Michael Behe of Lehigh University has demonstrated just that through his description of molecular machines he calls irreducibly Complex. Now, obviously, we're not going to have time to go through a whole lot of this data and information, but there is some in, uh, in Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Creator. And I'm only saying that in case you're interested in going further into it, studying more, understanding it better. But I, I think I got this book out of our bookstore, but uh, Lee Strobel's book is very good on it. I believe that God created this world. I don't know how. I believe that he created the world. Was it in six days? Was it in six days, 24-hour periods? How did he do it? I don't know. And to be honest with you, uh, it's not something that I worry a great deal about because I absolutely believe 
that God created this world. That he did it according to his sovereignty and according to his sovereign plan. God is the creator. I have absolutely no problem with the idea of a young earth. God is the creator. God created the world, and that's what Genesis is about. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it speaks of his creation. He completed the world in Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 through 31. So you read that, and you see the completion of his creation. He turned the chaos into a beautiful world, delivered man from his sin, as he provided a Savior for man. He promised that in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15, for the first time, that he would send a Savior. And God commissioned the world in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So the story of Genesis, then, is a story of the creation of this world, man's fall, and God's plan for man's redemption. Ray Steadman summarized it for me. He said, God is absolutely necessary for the completeness of life. Without God, you cannot have any answers. But if you have fallen away or excluded God and found misery and heartache without him, Genesis declares that if you return on the principle of faith in God, you will find help, spiritual health and happiness in every realm of your life. Folks, very simply, and I'm not a scientist, I'm a preacher. Both ways we go on faith. I believe God created you. I believe that He had you in mind before this world was ever spoken into existence. God created you. He loves you in a way that neither you nor I can fully understand or appreciate. He loves you. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin and my sin, that we might become the children of God, born into His family, that He is the only Savior. The Bible says there is none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, No one comes to the Father but through me. I believe that God created you, that he loves you, and that Jesus died to save you. And that you will never know life until you know the giver of life. You can look everywhere else, but you will never know life until you know the one who created you and gave you life. So today we're going to extend an invitation to you. And if you're here without Christ as Savior, we invite you to come to trust him. To commit your life to Him. He's not going to hurt you. He's only going to love you. Commit your life to Him. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you as a part of our family. Our Father in God, we thank you that you are the creator, that you made this world. And Lord, it's a beautiful world. We, we enjoy living here so much. Thank you for giving us such a, a wonderful environment. Father, thank you that you love us, and we pray especially today for those who have never come to know Jesus, that they might. Lord, that they might see you as the loving God and commit their lives to you. Father, I pray that you'll draw them today by your Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray.